From Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center in Vacaville, California. Here's Reverend Dahlia Adams. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and it is my honor and my joy to be here with you today. Here at Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center in the year 2021, we are focusing on transformation. We are setting an intention to transform our lives, ourselves, into all that we can be. We have made a commitment to take all of the wonderful material we were given in the year 2020, all of the challenges, all of the changes, and using that as a springboard for transformation, for change, for growth, for unfolding. And it is very much in alignment with our vision statement, which is a world powerfully transformed through a shared spiritual awakening. This is also right now the Christian season of Lent, and it is a, an, a transformation experience because in Lent, we are invited to release all of the things that stand between us and our experience of God and to release those things to allow ourselves to more fully express the Christ, the divinity within us. And here at Unity of the Valley, we've been focusing specifically on releasing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. For one way of knowing God is that God is love. And love is ever-present. God is wherever we are in each and every moment. And yet we can be fully oblivious to that love. We can feel cut off from love. We can feel profoundly alone and separated. When the truth is, we are one with God and we are enfolded in this love. We are an expression of this love. And we are never separate from our source, from God, from each other. So during Lent, during this season of transformation, we will be releasing one thing, one thought, or one feeling that blocks the awareness of love's presence. Each day, maybe picking one of those things or just releasing that block as we notice it coming up. And today we will focus on one way of doing that, beginning by acknowledging that love is all there is. That's the truth. That is the absolute truth. There is nothing but love. Other ways of saying that is only the love is real. If God is love... If God is the one presence and one power of our lives, that one presence and one power, the one presence, there is no other presence 
other than God, and God is love. So love is all there is, and that sounds possibly too big to be true, but it is true. And if you, if you look around, this saying, this truth is expressed in so many places by so many people. Emily Dickinson, one of our beloved poets, wrote that love is all there is, is all we know of love. The only thing we really know about love is that that is it. That's all there is. Rumi, one of my favorite poets, a mystic, a Sufi mystic, said, be foolishly in love because love is all there is. Or Bob Dylan, love is all there is. It makes the world go round. For Gary Zukov, one of our New Thought spiritual teachers, love heals everything, and love is all there is. So each one of these masters, each one of these teachers, have somehow found in the ground of their own being the truth that when it comes down to it, when we are spiritually awake, when we are in touch with the infinite wisdom that lives within us, we know that love is all there is. So a day, a moment spent, disconnected from that experience of love is a day or a moment that is calling for healing. It is calling for that experience of love to enter in our awareness. So what is ours to do as a daily practice, as an ongoing practice, as a practice for the season of Lent, is to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. And those blocks come in many shapes, sizes, forms. But one of the really big and recurring blocks to the awareness of love's presence that we human beings are subjected to, I don't think my dog struggles with this ever, is judgment. So what we we do is this inner quality of love that Charles Fillmore defined, he said, it's seeing the good in every situation, in every person. And we've talked about how this has happened in different situations. But the moment we go into judgment, that ability to see the good is blocked. That ability for me to see the good in you is cut off if I'm in judgment. And I think everyone who's listening knows this experience, know what, knows what it's like to judge and then to get stuck in that judgment. But before we go much further, we have to remember that that judgment also cuts off that willingness, willingness to keep our hearts open, regardless of what's going on. So stuff goes on that really doesn't look like love. 
circumstances happen that in no way resemble what we would call love. And we find ourselves moving through those situations. We find ourselves reacting to those situations. We find ourselves on a biological, instinctive level going into a defensive mode where our entire being tenses up and our hearts close. So when we realize when we, in our own experience, we notice that we are doing that. And we all do it. We all do it. I believe that it's part of the human experience that we go through as spiritual beings. When we notice ourselves moving into judgment, we simply choose to release the judgment Deepak Chopra, in several of the talks I've heard him give, has said, today I will judge nothing that occurs. And to make that a goal, a vision, an intention. You have to be a little bit careful, though, because the word judgment can be understood in different ways. One understanding of the word judgment is judgment is wisdom or spiritual discernment. It's the ability to see the spiritual truth in a situation and allow that to guide us through the situation. Judgment or wisdom in this understanding is one of the spiritual powers. The unity teaches and encourages us to embrace. That understanding of the word judgment is different from the more common understanding of the word judgment, and that's the process of evaluating people and things. And most of the time when it comes up in our awareness, it's condemnation. So it's that judgment through which we condemn what is before us that we are releasing. And it comes up on every possible level. You know, simple things. The driver beside you isn't driving right. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where there is a driver, maybe on the freeway, and that driver is definitely doing a poor job, is not driving right. And then with me, my mind can go into condemnation and how awful they are, and I feel myself getting angry. How dare that person put my life in danger by driving the way that person drives? Or more recently, when I walk my dog, I, um, I walk trails, and I, I personally advocate believing science as we move through this COVID-19 experience. And so when I'm walking my dog and there's a group of people laughing and talking loudly, coming toward me, taking up most of the path and not one of them has a mask on, I go into judgment. How dare they put my life in danger like that? Blah, 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 blah. In those moments, in those moments when that judgment comes up for me and for anybody else, there is a hardening of the heart. There's this 
fear and anger that underlies it. And that's, that's human. If a minute later that is gone and no longer a part of who I am, I can be open to the presence of love again. It can be a momentary knee-jerk and then it's gone. That's how my dog is. My dog reacts to something, and then when it's gone, it's gone, right? But what we do as human beings is one of these moments comes up. And later that evening, it could be that there I am again, picturing that driver. And then, and then, and then, and then, that's, that stuff, that, that condemnation, that judgment, is like a broken record in my mind. And so for that period of time, I cut myself off from that experience of love and from knowing that love is all there is. And it can be one of these day-to-day -day events, but sometimes within families, there can be rifts or separations, and sometimes of many, many years, because of the wrong thing that someone said, or the bad thing that someone did, or the wrong choice that someone in the family made. As a psychologist, I, I heard endless stories of the pain that that's created. Or within our country, the politics and the, the judgment that sometimes members of one political party get into when they look at the other political party. And that judgment, again, is a hardening of the heart, a closing off from the love. When the truth is, the truth is that love is all there is. And sometimes some very huge, overwhelming experiences happen. And then what becomes our challenge is to let go of the condemnation, let go of the judgment, and open our hearts again. <clears throat> and that becomes a juggling of the wisdom and the spiritual discernment Embracing that even as we let go, even as we let go of the condemnation. When there is an attack on our Capitol building, the knee jerk is to condemn and to judge people involved in that in all different positions. But the more we do that, again, the more we are cutting ourselves off from the one presence, the one power, God, that is love. We are cutting ourselves off from the love that is all there is. Instead, we are called to do, what we are called to do is release that condemnation and turn to that inner wisdom, that spiritual discernment, 
that tells us what is ours to do in this situation. We're not being asked to minimize something that is an important event in our lives or in our country's lives, country's life. We are asked instead to release that condemnation that is based in fear and anger and turn to our inner wisdom and our spiritual discernment, which is based in our strength. And allow that to guide us to what is it that I'm called to do. And to be effective. And to do things that are meaningful, but at the same time, maintain a peaceful, open heart, a heart that is open to love. Not easy, but the beginning practice is to notice when we are in that condemnation mode, when we notice that kind of judgment coming up, and just simply making the decision that today I will judge nothing that occurs. If you want to silently add, I turn to my inner wisdom to guide me, that's good too. The Course in Miracles has offered me a framework for thinking about this that has been helpful to me. If it is for you, wonderful. I share it with you. But the Course in Miracles essentially teaches that there is, in all of our interactions with each other, only love and fear. But that only the love is real. The fear is an expression of those moments when we feel cut off from love. So the fear really is just a call for love. So then when we are in, our, in an interaction with one of our brothers, one of our sisters, and that person is acting in a way that doesn't seem to be coming from love, what we need to do is recognize that that person feels cut off from love. And so the only appropriate response to that is love. If someone is calling for love, we offer them love. If someone is offering us love, we offer them love. We release the temptation to condemn. We go to our inner wisdom and we are guided in the best way, the wisest way to offer love in this circumstance. In 2014-15, I could be off by a year or so, there was a massacre, an attack. A man named Danny, I forget his last name, came into an African-American church. It was, I believe, Episcopal African Methodist. No, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. I apologize. And this man came in and he shot people in the church, and I believe he killed 
eight or nine of the congregants that were there. Chris Singleton, who was a minor league baseball player with the Chicago Cubs, his mother was in that church, and she was one of the ones killed. And he went through a process of anger and condemnation, horrific condemnation. This is not a driver cutting you off. But what he came to learn, what the wisdom within him led him to understand is that forgiving is so much tougher than holding a grudge. Because he recognized that holding that grudge was killing his own spirit. It was cutting him off from love. So he recognized it takes a lot more courage to forgive than to condemn. And in doing so, allowing his heart to open again. I've heard several times a story of an event that occurred in South Africa, and I couldn't find the story. I don't know enough details to look it up, but the story was very similar. A woman in South Africa had the experience of her only son, her teenage son, killed. And she ultimately went and visited her son's murderer. And as the story went on, not only did she forgive him as she got to know him, but she invited him into her own house to live with her as her son. I've heard that story told. I don't know the origin, but I remember how deeply it touched me. Now, I don't know if the next story is the same one more accurately told or if there are two very similar stories. But there is a story about Mary Johnson and O'Shea Israel that I would like to share with you. Again, it's a story of releasing the blocks to love's presence. You and I met at Stillwater Prison. I wanted to know if you were in the same mindset of what I remember from court, where I wanted to go over and hurt you, but you were not that 16-year-old. You were a grown man. I shared with you about my son. And he became human to me. You know, when I met you, it was like, okay, this guy is real. And then when it was time to go, you broke down and started shedding tears and the initial thing to do was just try to hold you up as best I can. Just hug you like I would my own mother, you know. After you left the room, I began to say I just hugged the man that murdered my son. And I instantly knew that all that anger and the animosity, all the stuff I had in my heart for 12 years for you, I knew it was over. That I had totally forgiven you. As far as receiving forgiveness from you, 
sometimes I still don't know how to take it because I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. It's something that I'm learning from you. I won't say that I have learned yet because it's still a process that I'm going through. I treat you as I would treat my son. And our relationship is beyond belief. We live next door to one another. Yeah, so you can see what I'm doing. You know, firsthand. Mm -hmm. We actually bump into each other all the time, leaving in and out of the house. And our conversations, they come from, boy, how come you ain't called over here to check on me in a couple of days? (laughs) You ain't even asked me if I need my garbage to go out. Uh I find those things funny because it's a relationship with a mother for real. Well, my natural son is no longer here. I didn't see him graduate. You know, you're going to college. I'll have the opportunity to see you graduate. I didn't see him get married. Hopefully one day I'll be able to experience that with you. Just to hear you say those things and to be in my life in the manner in which you are is my motivation. It motivates me to make sure that I stay on the right path. You still believe in me. And the fact that you can do it despite how much pain I cause you, it's amazing. I know it's not an easy thing, you know, to be able to share our story together, even with us sitting here looking at each other right now. I know it's not an easy thing. So I admire that you can do this. I love you, lady. I love you too, son. So Rumi tells us that it is through our loving all that it is profane, all that we condemn, all that we close our hearts over becomes sacred again. That is the choice. That is the choice each and every day. That is the springboard for our transformation. So once more, through your loving, all that is profane becomes sacred again. And so it is. Thank you for listening to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. Our services are every Sunday, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. You can support our podcast by making a donation at www.unityvacaville.org.